Welcome to the outpost. What can I get you? Oh, the old guy. Uh, he was actually down at the pod races the other day and got a little bit too close to that kid Kitster's engine. And uh, let's just say uh, he uh, he's not going to be back like like ever. No, ever. Ever, ever. Yeah. Well, oh, the Sith Talkers, though. Oh, the Sith Talkers are in the back. Yeah, you can just go back there. No, 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 they don't need to know you're coming. Just head on back to the Sith Talkers. Ladies and gentlemen, Sith and Jedi, rebel scum, and loyal to the Empire, this is Sith Talk, the show where we talk about all things Star Wars from all parts of the galaxy. I'm your pilot and your drinking buddy. As always, it's Sammy B. And of course, wherever I go, I've got my buddy, the Lord of Lore, Zach Chrisman. What's up, what's up, Sam? I am very good, but I am doubly excited because, guys, it's the whole reason we have our new home here at Clashing Sabers. It's the wonderful, the lovely, the deadly, Lindsay, the Lady of Lore. <laughs> Your real home. We've been waiting for you guys. <laughs> it's where we always belonged. So, <laughs> Lindsay, I want to say, I, I, I want to say welcome to the show, but, like, you have always been the spiritual third Sith talker, and... You know, now it's just if everything just feels right. So, I mean, of course, whenever we have someone added to the drinking table, we always start with them first. How have you been? No, I've been really good. You know, Star Wars wise, there's obviously a lot of changes over here on the Clashing Sabers network. So we have your new fresh voices and points of view. So that's always fun. Plus, it's just the perfect time of year to always be a Star Wars fan. You know, there's there's always new content coming out this time of year, so I've been enjoying that. But otherwise, yeah, kind of just enjoying uh, <laughs> the end of COVID, hopefully. Um, lots of family time. My brother got married, so I got to see everyone there. And then, of course, uh, the holidays. My sister's moving back to the area. So things have been really good and fast-paced for a while. Well, that's great. Um, you know, you're talking about, you know, family members uh, coming and going. I know my my big exciting news is, and the crazy thing is, by the time this episode comes out, there could be a new, uh, I could have a new niece or nephew. <gasps> Don't know how when they're coming. Soon we expect. So that's that's crazy because my sister having a kid is crazy. Yeah. But um, that is that's probably the biggest thing right now. We're we're all just kind of waiting. 
any day now. Um, the other exciting thing is I'm totally going to take this opportunity to nerd out and talk about something that probably no one else is going to understand. Guys, Ooh. last week took third place in the Great Lakes Sim Racing Race at Belle Isle. Ya boy. So, Proud of um, you. Thank you. Uh, definitely a tough race. I, if you guys aren't watching me every Wednesday at... Uh, uh, Captain TV iRacing at Wednesdays at 9 o'clock. What are you doing? Um, but other, other than that, shoot, I, I I try to clean. I've been trying to decorate, waiting for young young Strode to come into the world. Uh, beyond that, Mr. Chrisman, what's up? Uh, you know, a lot of things. Uh, just been enjoying the, the fandom right now. Um, just having a lot of fun being a Star Wars fan. I've been digging into uh, the... Uh, Marvel Comics Tales of the Jedi, which speaks a lot about what you talked about um, uh, probably a couple months ago about the Jedi, not the Jedi, but the Jedi. And it's super metaphysical, which is, I could see would not be for everyone, but for me, I love it. As far as the addition to being in Clashing Sabres, Lindsay, we are getting along with everyone so far. And I think that has something to do with me being very happy with Kathleen Kennedy lately, because if she does upset me, I don't know what how everybody else is going to react to that. I think some but of so the far, reactions Kathleen might Kennedy's surprise you, but nothing nearly as surprising as you being on relatively good terms with Kathleen Kennedy. Now, actually, I was just thinking about it the other day when we were um, when I was just kind of like going over stuff I wanted to talk about with the show, and I I was kind of thinking like. You know, Kathleen Kennedy's done a really good job lately. I mean, like, talk about a facelift. You know, you Rise of Skywalker is a wholly uh, a whole different thing for me. And I think at the time, you know, that movie was what it was going to be. But she has completely so far changed um, the narrative of Star Wars in the way that you know we don't know how much detail she has with the High Republic and all this stuff. But the way the shows are coming out. The way the Taika stuff is seeming, the way the Mandalorian is very... It seems like it's going to branch out and have other shows based on it. And the flavors that I'm getting from Star Wars right now, it feels very connected and it feels very rewarding. Versus, um, I would argue last year, like with Rise of Skywalker, I felt like I got what I wanted, but not in the way that I wanted it. Um, and that's kind of how I feel about Rise of Skywalker right now. But everything else just seems like we're slowly getting there to this rewarding, connective uh, universe. So, I I mean, it's kind of a random thing that, we're, that I brought that up. But you mentioned Clashing Sabers and everybody getting along. And it, it's been a very smooth transition. I just... That was one of the funniest things I was thinking about. I was like, man, I wonder... If I ever go postal, what are people going to think? <laughs> I'm sure we're going to find out <laughs> sooner Give or later. Give it time. Yeah. And, you know, it's so funny that you have such elegant reasons for your different views on Kathleen Kennedy than you had just a few months ago, we'll say. Because my initial thought when you said that was, oh, my God, how strong are the drinks here at the outpost? But it seems like you actually, <laughs> you actually really do... Uh, seem to have come around quite a bit. So that's really exciting for me. You know, I, I always wanted to trust her. I always saw the good stuff she was doing, not because I am an idiot or naive, just because hopeful optimism. And yeah, for me to now see it 
kind of pay off for all the reasons that you said is it's really rewarding and it's fun that everyone even the the cynic of us all can seem to uh enjoy that and appreciate that well i guess i respect um you know i respect when a leader makes a choice and goes through with it even through backlash and when it doesn't quite work out they adjust and she is completely adjusted and that's something that i can fully respect and you know, I'm sure there's a lot to do with the new management with um, Disney being that they're going to completely shift everything like most of the movie theater business over to their streaming services yeah. to get stuff direct to consumer. That, that changes the face of Star Wars as well. But it's no secret to give credit when credit is due. She has seen success in The Mandalorian. She is about to see what I would presume the High Republic. Even the comics feel super rewarding lately. Like, between the Charles Soule Star Wars run and I forget the writer of the current Darth Vader, that stuff goes hand-in-hand together, and it's so beautiful to to read back-to-back. So, I mean, I don't know how much details she has in putting all this together, but I know that she's approving the right people for the right things. And that's when credit is due. That's just it. I think that's always been kind of her strength to the point where it was a fault, where she, I always got the sense, didn't necessarily micromanage things the way George Lucas did. And that should on paper be a good thing when you can say as a leader, okay, here are the people who I trust. I'm going to let them do their own thing they're going to come out with something great. The problem was, I got the impression she was trusting too many people with the same thing. You know, you can't have three movies run by all these different people and expect a cohesive story. But now that she has Favreau, she has Filoni, she has Taika, it seems to me the impression I'm getting at least is she's realizing here are the camps of Star Wars that we have and here's who I'm going to put in charge of each one of those camps and letting it just play out as it will. Yeah, absolutely. Sam? Yeah, no, I, I, I pretty much echo all of those those sentiments. Now, um, I don't want to shift things along too quickly, but I I know that with us being bi-weekly here at Stith Talk, um, and the last episode came out just after... Uh, the Ahsoka episode. So we have two to catch up on. But before we dive into uh, the Jedi and the tragedy, I was wondering if, Lindsay, you could kind of give us a your 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 top moment so far of Mandalorian. What's what's hit? What's missed? I just we haven't really had a chance to sit down with you one on one or two on one, and. <laughs> Just kind of see your your thoughts, your reactions, and I know we've probably talked about this on Clashing Sabers, but you're on Sith Talk right now, so we're going to talk about it. No, but actually, we haven't even talked about it over on Clashing Sabers, because every time I try to, I just get shit on relentlessly, because the guys and even Adriana totally game for everything this season, and they're sitting there, they're finding these deep meetings and these deep connections in every episode, it feels like, and... And that's awesome, and normally I am right there with them, and I'm finding what else the story could be referring to, and what is the lesson we're trying to learn here, blah, 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 all that good Star Wars stuff. My issue is, when I sit down to watch The Mandalorian, I'm there for something a little bit more fast-paced, and I'm there for something a little bit more intense. 
and I didn't really feel like I was getting that while still getting a rewarding story. So just like parts of season one, I felt like the first few weeks of season two were too episodic. And I understand they're laying the bricks, they're laying the foundation, it's going to feel a little episodic. But this one, every single episode just felt so incredibly isolated. And I thought episode one with Cobb Vanth and on Tatooine with the dragon, like, that was cool. But I'm still ready to learn more about Mandalore and the Mandalorian and what journey he's on. Episode two, I quite honestly thought was just boring, if I'm being totally honest. No, keep going. Keep yeah. going. I'm yeah, loving no, it. I, I don't know. Right. Sam, I want to go. This is a just different go. perspective. Keep going. Yeah, no, I Riff, thought it was. I'm ready. I, I'm, I thought I'm it was sitting, kind of basket. By episode three, that's when it kind of started picking up for me. Um, you know, then, of course, episode four, like, that was better. And it's it seems to be starting to build a little bit, but it was kind of for a while there. Like, every other week, it was just up, down, up, down, up, down, good, bad, good, bad, good, bad. And I, I'm not an idiot. I know how Filoni works. I know how this is all going to play out. By the end of the season, if not the series, every single episode and every character will be important, blah, blah, blah. But the best part of Mandalorian season one was every single week, people were freaking out. You know, people were texting me, did you watch it yet? People who weren't really Star Wars fans were waking up early to watch it. They were getting super into it. And season two at least until the jedi was in my opinion lacking that dang so you you okay i I haven't really um i haven't heard an opinion quite like that and i i kind of obviously i respect it that's why you're on the fucking show but uh damn you just traded out Kathleen Kennedy for the Mandalorian apparently <laughs> um, I will say I, uh, I I agree with you I, I understand what you're saying and I I sort of agree with you I just think like episode one with Cobb Vanth I didn't give a shit because I finally got rewarded for those chapters in Aftermath and I felt like random people who don't know who the hell Cobb Vanth is just met a new character yeah and i i kind of like talked to drew about this like drew was very concerned that people wouldn't get the the show with the new people and i argued that those people met new characters and what i've been finding is all my friends that are messaging me about the mandalorian they're going back and they're watching the clone wars like i know a lot of people that are going back and at, at the very least like checking out arcs because they want to know more um so on that front, um, I think people are getting as rewarded as they want to while still understanding the context. The episodic feel. With episode two, I completely agree with you, 100%. Episode two, I'm not going to say it's trash. It just, it. I had so much hype at the end with the Django thing because it was a reveal that when we got into this one, it was more like, really? This is kind of just a trip. And then you thought that something with the eggs would matter, or maybe they were going to Ilum or yeah, something like nothing. that, and then they just didn't do anything. Nothing. And I think it was like episode three for me. Like I really liked episode one because it was a blast for me to finally get rewarded for books. That was the first time as book fans that we had gotten 
rewarded for something we read and saw it on screen. And that was a new novelty for me. That's why I liked episode one. But it really, episode two was a downspit. But then once we got to episode three, which is what um, where Bo-Katan is, um, that's when I started realizing, wow, this is something great. Now, my question for you is, being that we've had a new character in every episode almost as far as like the new canon as a Star Wars fan um, who's read and watched all this stuff a hundred times over do you personally feel like we're getting too much um, other characters or do you feel like it's rewarding for you just because you you do have critiques I want to know yeah for me it's almost uh, actually no I'll generally say yes for the most part Absolutely. You know, I think the Bo-Katan episode, the reason that one really sticks out for me as a home run is because you don't need to know who she is to get excited about that episode. That's a great episode regardless of if you watch The Clone Wars, if you watch Rebels, if you know that story. No matter what, it's just a good, solid 30 minutes of TV and good storytelling. The ones like Cobb Vanth, yeah, that's that's fun for me as a reader, especially someone who didn't necessarily like Aftermath, to start to see those connections and start to have that story build. It makes me like Aftermath more. Um, my fear is I just don't want this to become the Bo-Katan and the Ahsoka show. I have said that since all the rumors about casting and everything ever since they started I just I want this to stay focused on the Mandalorian so in some ways I like that we're only getting snippets of them and they only seem to be in one or two episodes I think what I would have preferred though is if we had Bo-Katan and Ahsoka in one episode and had this great episode with all these different set pieces and then watch him build on his relationship with you know Cara Dune I think right now it's just too much touch and go, but there's still enough time they could really start to build on this or let him build on his other relationships. Yeah, it's it's definitely a challenging balance because you want to reward people for bringing in characters who you know, who are significant. I mean, this is getting a little bit into talking about uh, the Jedi, so I'm kind of straddling the line here a bit. But I will sp- speak about specifically Katie Sackoff first. That there was no needed time of a, of of acclimation. It was yeah. instant. That's that's it. And that that high I got off of just it all fitting. Her voice was there. There was the the costume was perfect. She it looked looks perfect. right. No, yeah. The, you didn't need any uh, a, a time to get accustomed to it. Where for you know Cobb Vanth we don't we didn't know anything about him so that's cool hey there's a new character and Ahsoka was always going to be challenging but it's it's interesting to to hear different takes on it about like what's working what's not um I mean if there's one thing that overall isn't my favorite now we're about to get into some some episode details is that every episode I I like that there's a continuative narrative but it almost feels a bit too RPGE and like and now you will go to this place like that's the only thing that like eh, don't love it but I'm still getting this crazy um 
fever dream of enjoyment of seeing characters I've enjoyed forever. So I can't I, I can't complain too much. Yeah. But um, it's interesting hearing your 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 insights because it's always it's refreshing hearing a good critique and not someone just straight bashing, which is usually all I ever hear from my coworkers. Um, okay, let's get into it. The hold on, hold on for, for a second. I do want to say one thing, though. But it is very nice because a lot of times that I've talked to you, Lindsay, about stuff, and that's not a bad thing. I'm, I'm not saying you were due to have a shitty time watching The Mandalorian. <laughs> I'm just saying you've always been on the opposite end of me when I have bitched about something. So it's kind of nice for me to be in a, a different angle because I'll tell you right now, this season of Mandalorian has given me hope in Star Wars as far as the future. It's revitalized. I was pretty dead after Rise of Skywalker. I was, I mean, like, I still love Star Wars. There was never a point where I didn't want to talk about Star Wars. But it left a bad taste on my in my mouth for a lot of different reasons. And when The Mandalorian came out again, that hype, that love of wanting to buy the pops, wanting to read the comics. I mean, I always stayed up to date on the Star Wars and Vader, but, like, reading tales of the jedi let's go find something new to because you know tython tython let's go read this it has really elevated my love for star wars and i am loving aside from him taking a long time walking everywhere i i i have loved this season and to me this season is the best thing that we have gotten to me it is the best thing that we have gotten since the original trilogy Dude, or the Night Seal Republic. I'm so happy then that I'm on tonight to talk about these last two episodes because I really did enjoy these last two. You know, I really enjoyed the Jedi and the tragedy so much. So to get to be coming off of that high where I'm starting to really get back into the Mandalorian season two, I have a good feeling because things, like I said before, where I don't want him just touch and go, I want to see him build relationships, it seems like that's what he's about to do with, um, you know, Fennec and Boba. And I, I, coming off of last week, riding that high on a good feeling, so be able to come in with a little bit of a negative critique to it, and talking to you, Zach, and you, Sam, who really seem to enjoy this, I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> I think it's going to be a, a good little chat. All right, so I'm. I know. I know that you're the guest of the show, but Sam, we're talking the Jedi, man. Let's get into it. Well, first of all, what did you think about the Jedi? Because you've been waiting for this for years. I, I have been. I have been. I have been. I have been. Okay. I, I am not an early riser. Zach Chrisman can vouch. He knows this above me. Mandalorian is one of the few things that gets me out of bed and I had no more like Christmas morning zeal than waking up to watch the Jedi. It was it was almost nerve-wracking. I almost felt like there was a part of me I remember um in the in the uh, Clashing Sabers text group. I think it was Brandon who said like I'm cautiously excited. And that's kind of what it was cuz like there's there's this fear of expectation and you know when when Bo-Katan came out, you were kind of ready for it, but you weren't you you weren't sure. So when it hit, it was just like, oh my god, look at that! I can't believe it. It's so perfect. It's everything I've dreamed. Where you knew this was coming. This is the Jedi. We know we're going to this place. And the one thing I appreciated that they did in the Jedi is they didn't 
there was there was no teasing. They just came out there and smacked you right in the face with this killer. It's funny, Zach, you joked about how you don't like that there's too many sequences of the Mandalorian walking places. That's just a signature of Westerns. Um, but this was such a samurai Kurosawa um, film. It was, it was, it gave me tingles, the, the pacing, the suspense. And it, it, when I finally saw her, it was, I'm trying to think of the word for it. Um, it was both exactly what I thought it was going to be, but a surprise. Because the one thing I have to remember, and it took some, some mental reset for me, you know, Bo-Katan was still the same Bo-Katan that we left, basically. Where we have to remember that the Ahsoka we're seeing now is an Ahsoka who's a survivor. She's getting, I'm not going to call it old, not by any means, but she's matured. The Ahsoka that we last saw um, recently... Bo-Katan hasn't. No, somehow. <laughs> Good job, Katie Sack. I'm just a timeless, timeless age. Um... But it, it it was funny because like we're 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 accustomed to snips still, you know? We watched the the Siege of Mandalore that was still a what, like probably like a 16, 17, 18 year old. I'm 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 totally botching the age. Uh Ahsoka. This was an Ahsoka still with kind of like a, a hope for the future and you know, we're we're gonna end this war. And I know that we still saw Ahsoka in Rebels, but this was still an Ahsoka who we we pretty much didn't see much of her until you know, after she faced Vader, Vader tried to kill her, and then Ezra saved her with the uh, forgetting names. Wow, good job, Sam. Um, saved her, and you know, this is an Ahsoka who's just been through so much. She's seen so some was, shit. Like it was kind of jarring to see a weary or or just worn Ahsoka. Like I, I'm not going to say that she looked like, you know bad in any sense but she you know it was just someone who you could tell who's like it, it is over it. yeah like i'm just gonna cut you in half because i just gotta get this done and like again like ahsoka has always kind of straddled that line of like i'm not gonna say light and dark but there were some intense moments in there where she was doing stuff that's like you know that that is not the jedi way i'm no jedi so i mean how did i feel i mean incredible but it was it took a moment where with with bo katan and katie sackoff it was it was the voice it was the costume it was everything you already knew this was kind of getting to know a friend again and someone who you haven't seen in a while still the same person but they have gone to a new place in a new direction and you know to see her you know still struggle with the idea of you know not being able to train the child i mean um it's it was interesting it definitely i remember the first watch i think i was in such aftershock i had to just watch it two or three more times to fully um process what she was saying and how it's it's interesting that her feelings are still what she you know, I, I, we even talked in the text group about how are we sure that she could sense Anakin's redemption through the Force? What does that mean? And what does it mean for Grogu? Um, there's just... I, I've been rambling, but I mean, like, initial input was this is somehow everything I wanted, but nothing I expected. Lindsay? 
that's kind of like the perfect way to phrase it you know everything you wanted but nothing you expected because from the very first moment it was a shock to me i was convinced absolutely convinced that we would get her you know just cliffhanger for one episode i actually thought maybe the cliffhanger for the season and that would be it so to just see her right out of the starting gate that was like the oh my god moment and I got um I got quite a few text messages from my friends over that weekend. And the three that really stood out, there was one that simply just said, wow. There was another that said, live action Ahsoka might be the most exciting thing I've seen on television in years. But my personal favorite, because this just shows how someone who doesn't really know Ahsoka, doesn't really know what she means, but still knows fucking love her simply said oh no where is it oh he goes you main bitch rocked that episode that was so good (laughs) (laughs) and I got that and I was like this episode's perfect because for someone who knows what Ahsoka means to Star Wars fans but doesn't really have a connection to her himself and still just be like, that was amazing, says so much about the the episode, and I think it's what we all want from the, se- from the series as a whole. And it's what season one definitely gave to us, and I think what season two is now starting to give to us again, in my opinion. But my personal thoughts on just the episode as a whole was, yeah, it was, it was interesting to see where she's at, and... I think the word we're looking for is it's not even so much that she's jaded or anything. She just seems more weathered. Like, you look at her and you see what she's doing and you hear what she's saying and you're just like, she has seen some shit. Like, she's still so hopeful for the galaxy. She is still going to do what she can to help people. But there's this sense of realism to her now where she can do what has to be done and doesn't necessarily need to run it by a certain code it's just she knows she knows what's right she knows what's wrong and she's gonna go ahead and do it and she's gonna bring whoever she can with her and it was it was cool for me to see her in those tough positions you know she doesn't want to break this family apart she doesn't want to turn someone away from using the force but she has to make these decisions and it's difficult for her But regardless, I think the one thing that I I would be so remiss if I didn't get the chance to say it again tonight, Rosario Dawson crushed it. Absolutely crushed it. The physicality of it, the tone of it, everything. You could tell by her playing this character that she just has an immense amount of respect for the character, for the fandom, for Ashley, everything. So this episode just was a win not even just because of Ahsoka it was a good episode regardless of how you feel about Ahsoka this was just a good tense episode yeah I mean I to to go off of what you're saying um I would agree with weathered but I would also like to argue that you know if this is post return of the Jedi and she's just now getting to spoiler alert the big reveal where's Thrawn that means she's still looking for Ezra that means she's been busy that she's been very very busy and hasn't had time to even think about these things because my biggest argument with Ahsoka is you know why had she never tracked down Luke 
you know, Luke did need a teacher, and, you know, you would think if she cared for Anakin and heard about this Skywalker kid, cared for Padme, she would have tracked him down and talked to him. So either A, or it's probably an A and B. She's jaded about the Anakin thing, doesn't want to get attached to anybody right now, and she's busy trying to track down Ezra. And Ezra basically put her through a time portal and saved her life. That's power. That's power. You know? Um, so I, and I would also argue that you talk about our group text. Um, I would argue that she doesn't even know Vader is redeemed, gone, whatever. She doesn't look like somebody who's had time to listen to a message like that. It's, you know, it's not like, you know, every single Jedi just stops in their tracks and listens to the force the force kind of calls to them when it so chooses to call to them i don't think it's like a text alert an sms that says anakin skywalker's redeemed so it's kind of, it's time to be cool like it seems like she's been very busy and that jadedness of you know i seen someone fall to the dark side and i sensed you know great fear in him that doesn't sound like somebody who now knows that her master's redeemed personally i mean personally one thing that i i think is one book that I still will always put on such a high pedestal because it was one of the first ones I listened to and it's also by one of I think the best authors out there we love you Claudia Gray the Leia book the um the Bloodlines Leia book still gave me such an insight to her psyche and her thoughts of how you know Luke got to have this moment with Vader and then Anakin where that redemption meant something Leia never really got that as a character. All she really got was, hey, you know that creepy dude who, like, tortured you? He's your dad. Um, you know, and that kind of, you know, wouldn't be a great thing for Leia. And, I mean, you think about you personally, that's some that's basically still a stranger to you. And Ahsoka, that goes double because that was someone who you cared for, who you looked to as, like, a, a big brother, a mentor, someone you respected and then you come full circle you figure out that dude is vader you try to like bring him back and you're like i don't want to you know i don't want to hurt you i don't leave you dude tries to straight up murk you and then you'll be like guess what he came around like even if she got that i i don't know if you'd want to be thrilled about that situation and furthermore i haven't finished it but from the certain point of view empire book it's really interesting how they kind of give the insight to to Yoda that he he also questioned Luke and how he was like I don't know if this kid is it. This guy is a little too much of his dad in him and I'm worried. So if you are Ahsoka and the last place you left off on with your boy Anakin is oh I thought we were tight. I left. I thought I did the wrong thing. Oh what? He tried to kill me. Is that his son's floating around in the galaxy? Do you really want to rush out to meet him? I would love to see how that would go down. But there's there's so many interesting, complicated, delicious layers of complicated. Well, especially... Yeah, Ahsoka doesn't really strike me as the type that wants to um, restart the Jedi Order anytime yeah. soon. Like, right. I mean, honestly, she really doesn't strike me. And to add to that, Sam... The last time she saw Anakin, even if she knew he was redeemed, the last time she saw Anakin, a.k.a. Vader, was when his uh, helmet was cracked and she seen the face of her former master 
with total evil and hate in his eyes. So even if the force is said, uh, even if the force says, you know, Anakin's been redeemed, which how do you even do that anyway? What, what does Obi-Wan say? Ahsoka, Anakin has been redeemed. Let go of your We're totally anguish. chill you know, now. Like, you know, if somebody, yeah, it's like, it's like, you know, it's like me and my wife fight and I just go, hey, I've changed my perspective. We're cool now. Like, we're all good. Me and you are good. It's like, no, she hasn't had time to deal with that. So, I mean, no, we're not good. She still needs to deal with whatever I did wrong. It's not like, hey, I'm sorry. I, I apologize. We're good now, though, right? No. You just ate all my damn broccoli. <laughs> I don't want to talk to you. Which, not that I would ever eat broccoli. I'm just saying, like... I was going to say, it sounds like, sounds like a decent marriage if that's what you guys are fighting over. I'm sorry I'm eating so healthy. <laughs> oh, wah. How dare but you? Here's, here's what I think is kind of the more important thing to keep in mind, especially in terms of the Ahsoka we see in The Jedi, right? And how she treats the Mandalorian, how she treats Grogu. We talk about, does she know Vader was redeemed? What's her opinion on Anakin? What's her opinion on Luke? Why isn't she trying to find Luke? I think those are the wrong questions. I think the right thing that we need to keep in mind is something we saw a little bit of in Rebels, but there's no other real book yet or comic book or anything to give us more of that insight to her. I know she feels partially guilty and that because she had this strong attachment to Anakin and then left him, she feels some guilt as would he be would he have become Vader if I stuck around? And that's all bred from that really strong bond that they formed that they always thought was a positive. And now older weathered Ahsoka is sitting here thinking that wasn't a positive. Look at that connection we had. That led him to go to the dark side. She doesn't necessarily know everything that we, the audience, know. But from her very narrow point of view and only the things that she's seen and she knows, she's a major player for why he became Vader. So it makes sense that she doesn't want Grogu to get this training because of this attachment. Well, and I also think that she necessarily maybe, because, I mean, she did give the Mandalorian the answers to do it. She just said, I don't want to do it. And it seems like that reservation is she doesn't want to be responsible for bringing another dark entity onto the galaxy because she's already seen it. And maybe she's never even tried to contact Luke or anyone or been a part of the events is because it was too big for her. It was too real. I mean, she had already fought in a big war and got burned. She did the heroic thing at the end of Clone Wars and got massively burned. Like, not physically. I'm saying emotionally. Completely burned. And so I'm sure it's easier for her to go chase down her friend Ezra than it is to deal with... I mean, Ezra might be toast for all... For all she knows, Ezra's been long gone. I mean, it's been years at this point, presumably, since he's been around. She's at this point fighting a really big uphill battle trying to track this dude down but it to me the vibe i get is it's easier for her to chase these leads than to get to the big answers and i think where ahsoka goes and moves forward from here on out is she's eventually going to have to get pushed back into this fold whether it is 
this story um, with Ezra and Thrawn and the bigger consequences that that would have as a, as a story. Um, because we know our backgrounds about Thrawn, there's some big stuff there that's not been tapped yet. There's some stuff that he's been, you know, when you look at the Chiss Ascendancy and stuff like that, I'm just now um, starting Thrawn Ascendancy. I think I got about 10 hours left, and it's very interesting. There's untapped potential with just Thrawn alone, not to mention Ezra and his powers and where he's gone. But I think her story is definitely not the Mando story. Definitely not why didn't she go back. She's avoiding that shit. And I think where Ahsoka moves forward is the Force is going to push her into something because she's running. And even when she didn't want to train Grogu, the amount of grace that she had, she's always said she's not a Jedi. And that's what makes her a great Jedi, whether she says it or not, because the grace that she has, the compassion, when you look at a lot of those, I don't I don't know if she confirmed, killed um, the random guards at the beginning, but I remember looking back and seeing that a lot of those saber hits were not death blows. I do remember that. I went back and looked at that because it looked like she was mowing them down, but she was not completely mowing them down. I'm not saying she didn't kill anyone. I'm just saying I went back and saw that she was not doing death blows on all of those people. So she still fights like a Jedi to me. She still acts like a Jedi because she's not living up to the expectations of the Jedi. She's just being a Jedi. She's running. Sorry. That's, that's, she's running from everything, in my opinion. See, there, there's definitely a correlation between the words like running and hiding. And I feel like that's her, that's her skill set. That's what, that's her default is what she had to do to survive was to not think big. Like, yes, she did all the stuff as Fulcrum and all the rebel stuff, but like, you know, in the Ahsoka book, she tries to just live her life and she just can't calmly live a life because she feels an obligation to do more to help. So it's, I don't feel like Ahsoka is going to be a major player all the time in The Mandalorian. I think Bo-Katan will play a much bigger role in the story than Ahsoka. I definitely think this is at most going to be a character that we get from time to time. More likely, we will get our own Ahsoka series to answer a lot of these um, questions. Um, Well, and to add to that before you change anything, I'm actually looking at an article uh, from a reliable source. Uh, A lot of people have been talking about Disney and what they're doing, especially with HBO Max releasing their entire movies on HBO Max. A lot of people have been speculating that Disney is going to release Black Widow and some other things next year directly to Disney+. Plus. Now, with Disney, we know um, through their board meetings, they are, you know, as we talked earlier, they are directing everything to their business model to try to get direct to consumer. And an article has just broke out. Um, upon release of this episode, presumably December 10th, um, we should have it out by December 10th. So we are not recording on December 10th. Um, but that's when they're having their meeting and Disney, uh, is set to announce new Marvel and Lucasfilm projects during investor days. So we're probably going to hear about more shows. We definitely know that Cassian is now filming. We're hearing strong stuff about Boba Fett. I would be very, I don't think Ahsoka is going to have much more of a hand in the Mandalorian, but I do believe that she is either going to get an animated show or her own live action show because that reveal with Thrawn 
that was too big for fans to just have that in there. I mean, it could be considered a backdoor pilot, but there's no secret Dave Filoni's been training with his new directorial skills that he's working on. He's working with John Favreau. This is this is probably going to be its own story away from The Mandalorian, especially with Bob Iger saying that they are actively looking to create Mandalorian spinoffs. Well, I mean, the time will definitely tell. And it's funny because I feel like I just scratched the surface on the Jedi, but I definitely feel like while we have time left in the episode, we need to be talking about um, the the tragedy. Now, I definitely want to take one quick hot sec and lead in with this because you guys will be surprised probably. My first watching of the tragedy wasn't that thrilled. On my first watch. Okay. On my second, interestingly, it was my wife who helped me change my opinion on it. Here's why. I got so hung up on the idea that we're going to Tython. I thought there's got to be a big reveal. There's got to be some kind of tie-in with something with the ancient Jedi. I was really, weirdly... I think I was craving some lore and I just, we hot dropped into that episode and it was like, well, here we are. Here you go. Okay. Here's what happened. It was just kind of like a weird slapsticky and like now we're on Tython. Like I was expecting there's gotta be at least an episode build of how we get to Tython. Maybe some crazy, uh, a hyperspace shenanigans. Tython was notoriously difficult to get to. We're going to the deep core. This is the first time we've gone to the deep core. There's got to be something. There's got to be something. And we got none of that. But I think that was something for me, the crazy Star Wars fan, the, the one that wants all that deep lore, that doesn't help the regular fans out. Because when they my wife and I watched it she was like that was an incredible episode that was such great energy that was such great pacing where I was like no they're rushing me through there's so much more I want to know so it's funny because it's I was so hung up on all the things I didn't get to have that I thought I wanted that this badass Boba Fett reveal I was just kind of like oh I mean that's cool but oh so I don't know no it makes sense too because it was a really short episode like it yeah. clocked in at like thirty minutes, but that that includes the whole recap and all the ending credits. So honestly, it's it's only maybe a twenty five minute episode. Like there was definitely time for a little bit more of that lead in. I'm not saying I necessarily wanted it. Um, I I agree with your wife. I kind of like that pacing. I I'm not sure there's while it would have been cool to see all of that and see how he got there. I just don't know that there's a story there other than let's be totally fan service And again, that's where I think I had to take that step back because it was funny. Like I watched that episode and I was kind of like, oh, okay. And it was weird. Again, I think also we've been on this crazy roller coaster of big reveal, big reveal, big reveal. Like it's like there's a certain zenith you can't go above where it's like, okay, what else crazy? Like we, we don't want to jump the shark here. Dude, but they did. They, they didn't yeah. jump the, I'm not saying they jumped the shark on this episode at all, but they they just kept on coming. <laughs> that was yeah, that was no, rough, man. I I don't know. I think it was <laughs> <laughs> I 
wasn't ready for everyone at home. We usually have our video screens up, and Zach had his off, and he just turned it on, and he has the most badass Mandalorian helmet. <laughs> Like, I'm sorry, I'm about to get a little bit rowdy here. What get the rowdy. fuck are you guys talking about? All right, so the first time we started talking about um, The Mandalorian with just me and you, Sam, I said that I didn't want to see Boba Fett again for a long time, okay? And that stood true before I watched the episode, okay? We were all talking about, like, oh, maybe maybe the Jedi will show up. Kyle Kestis will be here. Maybe Mace Windu will come back from, I don't know, getting his fucking hand chopped off. getting in Jar Jar's like, still alive. Maybe he'll come back. <laughs> I don't know. Jar Jar might be around. I mean, who the fuck knows? I don't What's know. And so I'm waiting. So, so I'm waiting for a Jedi, which one, like, I'm just going to say right now, we are not knowing what Jedi heard the call until the very end of the season you might see a hand maybe a face and then it's going to cut and end that's the end of the season you're not getting a jedi in the middle of the season you're just not you're not getting a new jedi that's my opinion i did not give a shit about um boba fett for the longest time but robert rodriguez did something amazing in this episode when i saw slave one come out of the sky it was like Chewie were home, and I never knew I needed Chewie to be home. I never knew I needed Boba Fett to beat the living fuck out of Stormtroopers <laughs> with a fucking gaffy stick. What the fuck? Like, Fat Boba Fett, don't forget. Fuck. Fat Boba Fett. <laughs> and you're over here saying you're fucking underwhelmed? Are you <laughs> kidding me? I'm so hyped. Like, I literally told my father-in-law, I was like, that is like John, that's Star Wars getting John Wick, and you might get a whole miniseries based on that shit. And not to mention, we had always said that we never wanted to see the mask off, and I'm going to tell you right now, what, like, in all seriousness, what Tamora Morrison did with Boba Fett after already playing Django, after having 40-some-odd years of this mask being on, in every iteration, he completely fucking killed it. Mask off in a robe with no armor. He completely stole the show, which is the first time that I'll say literally stole the show because I've been arguing that while Ahsoka showed up, my mind would equally go to Mando and Ahsoka. I gravitated them. He stole the show. And he made me a Boba Fett, Boba Fett fan so much that I bought the effing helmet at buy me toys the next day this was an insane episode to me and i'm sorry i'm rambling but holy no, keep shit. going keep going i could do a full hour of just listening to, to this mention the force power the, the force power of baby yoda <laughs> behind a force field and you can't he couldn't even get to him and the emotions of the implications of baby yoda choking stormtroopers out because he's scared and confused and how, what that is going to do to him in the long run. This episode had a lot of action. It had a lot of thrill, pizzazz. It gave me some brutality in Star Wars that I've been wanting to see. I mean, I dude, Boba Fett beating somebody's ass with a gaffy stick. That's ghetto. That's dude, ghetto. but the, like, that's, I think, part of like why this episode is so good. Because when all is said and done, as I'm sitting here a few days later, and thinking about this episode that's not even like a top three moment for me and it's so good but there is so much happening in this episode from start to finish that 
it's just, it's nonstop. Like, the pacing is there. It's exciting. So for me to watch this, as I said, you know, 25, 30-minute episode, and this intense, incredible battle sequence where there is hand-to-hand combat, there is shooting at you, everything, and it's still one of the slower parts of the episode is so good because it's not just let's watch these stormtroopers get the shit kicked out of them it's not just let's watch let's watch our heroes do do cool shit it is so much story packed in here so much story packed in here and it's not just called the tra i mean it's called the tragedy for a reason yeah. while there is pizzazz you're right they destroyed is- the razor crest it was a tragedy yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's all. That was the end of the episode. That was, that was it. it. That was just sad. That and, was it. And that's, you know, that's something to be noted. That's another big thing that is underwhelming because for me, the entire thing is, you know, is him not being able to get to his boy. And at this point, he's lying to himself. That's his kid. Yeah. That's his. He's a part of the clan. And you know that from the start of that episode, the emotions of him hesitating to say that you know you're important to me you mean a lot to me him saying that we're talking about a super masculine guy that doesn't open up about anything he's your your stallone in rambo your terminator and he's opening up about these things that's a big reveal alone and the fact that he knows he's in trouble and he's trying to stop him and he literally cannot get to him and so after three tries, not one, not two, not three, or after, or not one, not two, but three tries, he finally goes down to fight off because he thinks that's the only useful thing he can do. And it turns out the moment he walks away is when that shield, force shield, goes down and he gets taken. And the implications of what that's going to do to him mentally and the implications of what that's going to do to Grogu... I mean, he killed two people out of fear, total fear. Ahsoka said, you know, and I know everybody's right now like, Baby Yoda's going to go dark side. Baby Yoda's going to go. No, he's not. He's a child, and he's scared out of his fucking mind right now. And he's going to have to deal with the fact that he killed two people eventually, someday. He's scared. And that's leading a lot of stuff, too, with, with the episode. I mean, it's there were a lot of emotional moments in this episode not just the action and these are all big issues that we can talk about yeah no there there is no shortage of i mean i guess that's what i have to appreciate about this season is even the episodes that seem slower or maybe not as tied in even the the first episode everything has gravity Everything has a reason, and even things that last season, season one, I thought didn't have gravity, are proving to. And I think that's something that even me and my wife were talking about this after we were watching, again, the tragedy, and she was just raving about it. And it really took me, like, again, I don't know what, maybe it was just too early. I don't know. Like, for some reason, that first watch didn't hit for me, the second one, it did. Um, she was like, you know, you have to appreciate that the first season, they took it slow. And that was something that bothered me season one, as I felt like, ah, oh, I want I want to get to the bigger stuff. But like Din Din and Grogu got to have their own stage where you got to kind of know them. And those moments like in the tragedy where he goes, You're a really special kid. 
that wouldn't have that impact if you didn't have episodes and episodes and episodes of him just being like, ah, I got to figure out how to take this kid. You know, all right, well, I got to do this thing for this. So it's like, I have to hand it to them in that sense that at least it seems like the pacing that they've brought to this is adding up. And it just, it, it just tickles me pink to think that we get to watch this level of Star Wars thought through every week and it's just gonna make me very very sad when we have to wait a while for season three because i don't know how soon we're gonna get season three realistically you know so that's oh it's it's definitely a lot and but i'm excited for the ride i will just say before i forget i think my biggest hope is that the delay for season three won't be as long as we think it will be because they don't film anything on location. So they can pretty easily say, we're still keeping everyone safe. We're still kind of quarantining because it's just this soundstage. Um, But yeah, regardless, you know, everything else I think is such an important point. Like the relationships work in this show and that's why I get mad at things like earlier on in this season when it was just the relationships are there for one little episode and then that's it I like seeing that yeah Mando has this relationship with Grogu Mando was reluctant to enter it this isn't something he did willingly but it feels organic it feels right it feels natural to the point where now He's going to team up with his enemies. Could you ever imagine the the din that we first met really and truly teaming up with his enemies to say we got to go get this kid back? No, it's it leaves me very excited for where we're going and it's funny cuz we've we've been going for a while now and we're kind of getting to the end of the episode and I still feel like there's so much we just haven't even gotten to yet and that's what's that's what's fun yeah. that's what's exciting cuz it's like I mean I, I didn't even get to talk to the fact that I think there's an interesting symmetry between Bo-Katan and Ahsoka's kind of almost dark craze for their answers I mean Bo-Katan where is the dark saber Ahsoka where is Thrawn and they both are going so vehemently towards this mission almost to the point of seeming almost kind of dark side crazy about it I mean what's what's the true ramifications of the child not being in their hands where where do we go from here so I mean there's there's just so 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 much well, because I mean, talk talk about the them with their crazy end goals. Moff Gideon is like the perfect, you know, counterpoint to that. He is totally crazed, totally tunnel vision. Din is oddly enough the only one who doesn't really know what he's after. He knows he needs to keep this kid safe. He knows he needs to figure out what's going to happen next with the kid, but he doesn't know what that means. He doesn't know how to do that, so he can't be. As, as dark side crazed as you said as these other characters and maybe that's what's going to be what saves him and Grogu at the end Definitely. well I think I think for sure you know we're going to see Bo-Katan be a part of this Gideon yeah. oh yeah shit fire I think that's got to happen that's not that's not even like fan service uh, at that, that point like we just know as Star Wars fans who have uh, watched Clone Wars got to all those um those different iterations we know that the, she's going towards the dark saber it would that be a, it would be headed. a plot hole if she wasn't involved absolutely so i think she's definitely going to join up with Cara Dune. and how badass is that going to be to see the team up 
I think Ahsoka gets left out for now. Um, but I got a question, and you, um, if you don't have an answer, uh, who do you think was on the other end of Baby Yoda's Jedi hotline? If you could guess one, who would it be? And it's okay. I'm putting you on the Good spot. Good question. Or two. Give me two. Lindsay, you go first. Okay. <laughs> I'm just I, listening out. I actually think it could be Ezra. It would be a nice way to tie in, you know, get Ahsoka back in because if Grogu's sitting there reaching out to Ezra and he can help Ahsoka and Sabine kind of find their way back to him, that would be a nice way to tie her back and set her up for her own mini series, series, book, whatever it is. Um, but it also would make sense because we don't really know where Ezra is and what portals and temples he has access to. So that's... That's very interesting. That's very interesting because when people say Ezra, I've been shooting it down because my whole idea is the Ahsoka series is definitely going to be a where's Ezra, like almost a adventure to find Ezra. But if... He, if Baby Yoda, Grogu, hears him, and that's the first time, then that might be what sparks Ahsoka to go get Sabine, is, okay, this child heard him. Yeah, I think it's just we a know catalyst. Yeah. I, I'm going to try and play devil's advocate here. I'm going to try and think of something outside the box. Because two things. Um, they say they reach out through the Force. And the Force is more than just people who are alive. So potentially, this could be someone who has been dead and is an important character that has meaning. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a character light or dark. So my gut reaction, Yoda seems too obvious. Anakin would be interesting. I don't know. I don't... It's, it's got to... I feel like it would be... It's just because there's you could have a loophole in there where it could be someone who is not of that realm because we are we are speaking out through the force. It's a force beacon. The force is all around us. It's it's you know the living force and all that. So I I mean if you're if you're gonna push me to a crazy answer, I don't know why, but I want to say. Anakin, but that's totally not what it's going to be. But I'm just trying to be a little left field here. You know what? I think this completely changes everything that I thought. Qui-Gon! Um, Qui-Gon would be a better one. <laughs> finger guns over here. And he, could, and he could very well be. I mean, we know that Liam Neeson has a good relationship with Star Wars based on him being at the 2017 uh, Star Wars Celebration, which I was at. Um, and, you know, he's probably going to have an appearance on the Obi-Wan series. I mean, how can you not do that Master and Apprentice chapter in a miniseries, essentially? There needs to be a relationship with Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. My first one would be Obi-Wan. I mean, there's no secret that Ewan McGregor has showed up on set of Mandalorian and has actually worn his old clothes. I think that would be a tough sell considering it's post Alec Guinness, but I don't think anybody cares at this point if it's prequel Obi-Wan's ghost that shows up. But he's been on site. Now, to add 
my my guess outside of Lindsay's would be Cal Kestis. Oh. Because Cal Kestis was looking for more Jedi to teach. By the end of that series, presumably, he's looking for more people to protect and teach, specifically the younger generation. It could very well be Cal Kestis. Now, I think that's a little bit of a wild card, but it's something that could happen, especially when you have a game that's been mo-capped by the actual actor who is a good actor. He really is. Someone Hollywood does want in their movies. I also love that between the three of us, no one's like, oh, Luke. One... Well, I mean, if they do, it's Sebastian Stan, finally. But I don't... I think that's... It's too soon for Luke Skywalker. This is not Luke's story. The Skywalkers... Totally agree. ...need to be away from this. This is not their story. Do you remember Raul Kali, who was... He, all right, yeah. So there was an article that broke up, broke out where he had posted on Instagram that he was watching Rebels, specifically Ezra. Right. And this, this is and the actor from Blind Man, right? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. But he had been posting that he was watching Rebels, and it was a screenshot of Ezra. I remember that. What if this is Hollywood's best-kept secret? You are right that Ezra does answer the call, and that that call is what sparks this Ahsoka Sabine let's find Ezra because now Ahsoka presumably has a location for Thrawn which we didn't see but if she knows Ezra's alive that makes it so much more worth it for her to get there and to go actually go after it because she knows he's there and ideally even has some kind of starting point what if Grogu's the starting point for that and that makes perfect sense, naturally. But that's my guesses. All crazy guesses that will maybe be revealed in time. But that <laughs> has been Sith Talk on the Clashing Sabers Network. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us, Lindsay. Like, again, what would we do without you? Literally, she is the reason this is all happening here. So... Be sure to join our Patreon to support our literacy nonprofit that goes to getting Star Wars books into classrooms. 100% of your donations will go directly towards buying and sending books to kids. Now, you can go and see all that also at ClashingSabers.net. Clashing Sabers is on Twitter, so is Sith Talk. Um, You can also join the Star Wars Clashing Sabers Facebook group. So there's a lot of great conversations and articles there. Um, Clashing Sabers is also on YouTube. Uh, Be sure to follow Adriana, Drew, Lindsay, Mark, myself, Zach, uh, all in our various places on our social media accounts. I don't, I don't know. I'm, uh, the only social media account I've really been good at keeping up with is my Sim Racing League. I need to actually post something on my personal one. Zach is Sith Talker 25. Lindsay is Full Force Lindsay? On Instagram, which is totally untouched for a while. Um, but on Twitter, I'm over at The Lady of Lore. So lots of different places to find us. So please don't forget to leave us a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice. It's super duper uber important for getting us those listens. So anything else you guys want to add before we close out the show and close out our tab? It's been a big tab. Just that it is. Yes, I would like to say if you want to disagree with us, (laughs) we have a very popular uh, Facebook page that you can check out. uh, The Clashing Sabers uh, group page. 
and you know you can talk with us about multiple things i mean i post there sometimes brandon posts there sometimes everybody kind of like posts there and if you're listening to the show right now and you want to be a part of the conversation you know on a random weekly basis definitely check it out because we're always down to talk to you guys and get your opinions I love that you guys can just do the outro for me and it's all the same shit. <laughs> it's not like, oh, but then go find me here. No, just one big happy no, family. No, now it, it, one big place. We're all just here now. So May the 4th. <laughs> I'm, Be- I'm Chechu Betcha, and this has been Star Wars Sit Talk <laughs> Podcast. Oh, man, I was trying to think of the, the pod racer names, uh, the, the guys. The, the One of them was voiced by Grapefruit. Whatever. May the Force be with you. <laughs> Always. Looks like you're done talking, Sith. Who? Oh, Scion, the bartender. Yeah, he's gone down a couple levels. You're gonna venture down there? Well, there's a few things you should know before you go. Sith Talk, all the Clashing Sabers Network, they ain't associated with Disney, Lucasfilm, or any of their subsidiaries. All these licensed sounds and whatnot all belong to whoever the hell they belong to. We just use them here for entertainment and educational purposes. Look, if you're unsure about something or have questions about what's what, email us at clashingsabersnetwork at gmail.com. And hey, on your way out, make sure you leave us a rating and review. Word of mouth is how people find out about this place. Now, get out of the way, I got paying customers to get you. Jedi business, go back to your drinks.